Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Hello and welcome to the Self-Improvement Atlas, the personal science insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We're champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Aditi Kuti, and today I'm joined by Ryan Marinelli. Ryan has worked in health and fitness for eight years. Um, he's currently a casual academic at La Trobe University, uh, working on the effects of exercise on the brain and the link between body and mind. Um, he's just got his master's honors focusing on exercise and mental health and the link between the two. Um, and he's also an aspiring PhD. Uh, so we're going to be chatting a lot about that um, throughout this episode. So thank you, Ryan, uh, for joining us. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Um, before we kind of dive into um, the main topic of the show, we have a segment called Get to Know Our Guest, Get to Know Ryan Marinelli, where we kind of ask you a bunch of really quick rapid fire questions um, and you don't have to think too hard on them. Are you ready? Yep. Awesome. So what is your favorite book? Right now, The Inflamed Mind by Edward Bormore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's it about? So he looks at the research on how the treatments for depression were developed over the last 40 or 50 years. And he's tried to find the link between if there's other causes of depression, such as inflammation, rather than the more well-known cause is people think low serotonin levels, which we'll talk about later. So he's looked at all this research, also linking how the body and mind are more connected than once thought. Mm -hmm. And historically, they've been very separate. You go to a psychologist for treatments for the mind and a doctor, physio for treatments of the body, but they're really connected. So it's been really interesting to read. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I know we're going to like dive into a lot of that um, in this episode too. So great way to kind of start um, exactly. with your favorite book. Uh, <laughs> what about a favorite movie? Is that also exercise related? Or Favorite movie would have to be The Shawshank Redemption. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a fair one. Um, what about a podcast you're into right now? Uh, the Jordan Peterson podcast. Okay. okay. It's very decisive. Lots of content. It's quite interesting to think about. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, what about a famous role model that you look up to? Recently and and, and always actually Roger Federer. Oh yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. That was really sad. Um, yeah. Like that final match that he played. Yeah. I was tearing up a bit too. So I, I'm also like into tennis. So the photos totally... of him in the Dell holding yes. hands and crying. Oh, oh my god. Yeah. Really upsetting. Yeah. For sure. What about the last course that you completed? So I would say uh, prior to my master's, my Bachelor of Exercise Science, mm-hmm. and I'm a few weeks away from finishing my master's with honours. So okay, that's fantastic. exciting. Good luck <laughs> with all of that. Um, now we have gotten to know you. We know who you are. Uh, we're going to get to kind of the interview segment. Um, to start off really broadly, our podcast is about personal development. How would you define personal development? So to me, personal development is a lifelong process where ideally you're always aiming to be better than you were either, you know, last week, five years ago, a few months ago, whatever it is. It's always trying to improve. And that doesn't have to be whether you earn more money or whether you have more items. It can be socially. It can be with your happiness. It can be it can be your job. It just can be little things you're always setting to develop yourself in a way that uh, you're, you're more happy over the – not even more happy, but more content over the longer period of time. And just I think it's important that we all look back and think, wow, like I, I've learned so much since two years ago mm. even and I've developed a lot since then or – I've built better relationships with my my family, my friends, you know, quality over quantity, I think, and just really having those um, feelings that you've lived a fulfilled life. On like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, trying to reach that self-actualization where you reach your full potential. So one day down the track, we can be like, yep, I've actually done all I wanted to do and all I could do over my life. Yeah, yeah. I really like that way of phrasing it, um, focusing on contentment. Often I find that sometimes personal development, the general notion is that, you know, it's about productivity and kind of like doing everything you can to like get better. And I think like contentment is a much more broader thing. So like if productivity and kind of hustling is your thing, absolutely. Mm. Like that's such a good way to put it. But sometimes some people just want to slow down and spend time with family. Exactly. That's so important too. Mm. Yeah. What are the kind of main challenges you feel um, in kind of developing yourself? 
I feel we can all get bogged down in our day-to-day commitments and the so-called rat race of life where you get up for work, you have your routine and you don't really put aside time to think about where you want to be in the future and, and what sort of aspirations you have, what goals you want to set. Or even I think traditionally Australians have been known to be really relaxed, laid back people. But in actual fact, we're one of the hardest working population groups with the amount of hours we do per week. So I think it can be really easy to fall into that trap of just wanting to earn more money, wanting to buy that house, wanting to buy that new car, that new phone. Whereas if sometimes we can reflect a little bit and at university, they love self-reflections and I I (laughs) hate writing self-reflections, but sometimes just thinking, all right, where am I now? Where do I want to be? And how can I get there? And taking our time to think about that is really important. Yeah. Do you kind of feel like there's, um, you know, you're talking about reflections. Um, do you kind of feel like that's kind of one of those things that is so hard to do because we, it's something that we don't feel like we have the time for. Like, it's just, you don't set time aside for it because it's just not a priority. Yeah. Yeah. And as I think, as we get older, we have more commitments that just get in the way where we think yeah. less about ourselves, We think more about other things. And also people don't really want to reflect on their life because maybe people have a bit of fear or or guilt or shame or whatever it might be on, on where they're at and they feel like they, they should be somewhere else, they should be uh, have achieved more. But really we all, we're, we're all running our own race yeah. and I think taking that time to see where have I come from, mm-hmm. I always think, you know, four or five years ago I was so much more further behind than I am now and I'm so grateful for where I am right now. Mm-hmm. And then I try to think, all right, where do I want to go in four or five more years or, or, or even next year? And I'm coming to that crossroads now in my life. And I think it's really important. We just set a little bit of time aside to keep trying to do that at different stages of our life. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of setting time aside, uh, how do you define exercise? All right. So in exercise physiology and exercise science research, Physical activity as a whole broad spectrum is anything you do that increases energy expenditure above lying down and resting. Exercise is a subcategory of physical activity where it's more planned, structured, and the end goal is to try to improve some form of fitness, whether that be strength, your aerobic capacity, your flexibility. It can be anything, but it's more planned and structured compared to just your general day-to-day movement of physical activity. So like walking to the bus stop to catch a bus does not count <laughs> as exercise. If you were to do it really briskly and get right. your heart rate up, it might right. be considered exercise, but it, it depends on the uh, objective of that uh, type sure. of activity. Well, I am running late, uh, so it is always <laughs> a brisk walk. <laughs> but uh, maybe maybe I need to kind of set a different kind of goal in mind if I yeah. wanted to define it as exercise. Uh, how does the exercise affect our personal development? So I think there's multiple facets exercise can help. Firstly, it helps you organize your week into a a bit of a routine. So I personally love setting the times of each day that I'm going to exercise or trying to stick to that same routine. And it sets me up for the day because then I know when my meals are going to be and then, then it sets me up for how I feel for the rest of the day for work, for interactions with people, for my mental well-being, my physical well-being. But also exercise helps us because generally with exercise, there's a form of um, a need to push, to feel the pain, to feel that burning sensation. And that trains our, our mental toughness, our, our confidence in ourself, our self-esteem. And then when you have other obstacles come up in life, like uh, stress or, or the, the need to sort of push yourself a little bit, whether it be mentally or physically, you're, you're already prepared for that. So it helps you prepare for anything that's going to come up. And I also think it's a great period of the day where you can just focus on yourself and it doesn't have to be a long period. It can be it can be 15 minutes, but it's a period of time where you, you can just zone into your mental state of mind at that time and just do what you need to do to feel good for the day. So it, it, it really sets up a lot of, I think, your interactions and, and feelings about everything around you if you can use exercise like that. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of putting it, actually, in that, like, um, it kind of reminds me of mindfulness when you said that 15 minutes where you just kind of focus on yourself. Mm. Is that something that's come up for you before or...? I think it does, but sometimes the phone coming out during a workout yeah. or, or, or notifications going off can yeah. really interrupt that thought process and actually getting the most out of it. Yeah. But definitely I, I find if I can turn it on airplane mode, notifications off and I just focus on myself, it really does help me um, just pace myself better for the rest of the day, the rest of the week. Yeah, yeah for 
sure, for sure. I think that's uh, an important takeaway from the episode already. Uh, turn off your phone yes. <laughs> while you exercise. Don't pay. Don't don't be answering texts um, while you do it. Um, how? What? What benefit does exercise have specifically to our mental health? So there's lots and lots of research on this, and I think. It depends what area of mental health you're looking at as to what the benefits might be and how the benefits will get there. But broadly speaking, those who exercise more and move their body more, they they feel better on, on scales of their their vitality, their stress levels, their anxiety, their depression, uh, just general quality of life measures are all better if you exercise more. And so the thing is mental health can it's always on a spectrum. I think we think mental health can just be, we just think of poor mental health, but we're always on a spectrum of, I guess, feeling completely fulfilled at one end and content and satisfied to the other end, which we have our clinical conditions, which require assistance and assistance and treatment. And yeah. a lot of us fluctuate in the middle. It's not normal to think that we can always be at that high end. Yeah. And ideally we don't arrive at that lower end where we do need to seek help, but it happens. It happens to a lot of people. Especially and lately, I think. Lately, yeah. and by 2030, 2040, depression will be one of the leading causes of disability worldwide. So it's predicted to yeah. just keep growing. Yeah. So I think it does so many things. Like we could look physiologically. There's theories around the hormone levels such as dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine being regulated in, in a more efficient and better way. Mm -hmm. And that's what medication aims to achieve for those who are struggling with depression and anxiety at clinical levels. There's also your social benefits. So you might go with a group of people and talk to them, interact with them. Social isolation these days is a massive problem. And I was actually talking to this with a friend recently. And I think I agree that if someone from 200 years ago, 100 years ago was placed in our society right now, the biggest change would be, I think, how separated everyone is. Our own yeah. houses, no real sense of community. And I think gyms and fitness centers and, and group fitness are sort of replacing that now with a group of a group of people who feel they belong to a group, they have a sense of community. Yeah, for sure. So there's all these for different sure. areas it can help with. And it's, it's quite interesting that it's not one or the other, I think. It's just very, very multifaceted and helps from depending on the individual and where they're mm. sort of struggling and what's happening in their life. Right, right. So I guess, you know, you we talked about like the benefit and you talked about how, you know, there are medication to regulate specific hormones, but how specifically does exercise affect the brain? Yeah. So with certain types of exercise, they're like aerobic exercise, for example, we have massive arteries, big arteries that increase blood flow, blood, blood flow to the brain. And that increased blood flow allows things to grow in the brain like your neurons can increase their plasticity which means more neurons grow in in a denser they're more dense in certain areas things like our prefrontal cortex or our uh, hypothalamus these are areas which uh, help with emotional regulation our memory our ability to concentrate they grow in denser they grow in more density with their neurons and you see that people that have uh, mental health conditions such as depression or anxiety have less activation in these areas and they're smaller as well. So you can maintain that size and then down the track, you can prevent conditions like Alzheimer's, dementia or other neurodegenerative conditions that might develop. So it's also got that protective effect of not developing conditions later on as well as maintaining your health at that current time as well. So it's not just a treatment, it's also kind of a preventative measure. A hundred percent, yeah. We can look at um, prospective cohort data. So that's when they track data of a group of people over time. Mm -hmm. Those who exercise more, and we'll discuss about what sorts and, and how much later, but those who exercise more have a greatly reduced risk of all these things we talk about, depression, anxiety, yeah. stress, and they feel more content, fulfilled, have higher self-esteem. So it's, there's definitely a very clear link between how much you exercise and developing. Yeah, for sure. Emotions. I mean, I know that um, there are probably some listeners who are wondering how exercise can possibly affect higher self-esteem when they feel <laughs> or feel awful doing it. But I, I, I think it's more of an overtime thing, right? I'm assuming that you can't really expect immediate effects. Well, contrary to that belief, actually, there's research looking at the acute effect of exercise, acute being after one session. Okay. And there's research showing even seven minutes up to about 35 minutes, mm -hmm. ideally a bit more than seven, ideally around 30 minutes of light intensity exercise can increase your mood, 
and, and your well-being at that point in time. So there's okay. all these articles looking at the acute benefit and then the chronic being after weeks of training. So that shouldn't deter anyone from not starting somewhere. You can start really small and feel better, build the momentum, build the routine, yeah. and then translate that long-term. So what is light intensity exercise? How, what, what kind of examples of those yeah. are there? So light intensity can be measured objectively via your heart rate, and that could be something like 50 to 65% of your heart rate max. Right. So to work out your heart rate max, there's common calculations online, online you can use, but it would it would be slightly more than a casual walk for most people maybe a slight brisk walk just to get your heart rate up a little bit that will increase that will increase your heart rate to that light intensity zone and be able to stimulate some feelings of well-being provided you do a little bit of exercise yeah right right okay uh that's definitely like i guess a good way to start small for some people who 100 maybe need the motivation yeah. um i guess are there some forms of exercise that are better than others kind of looking at mental health and there's some that affect them more and others that not so much yeah so i think a lot of research over the last 30 or 40 years that has looked into these questions have used aerobic modalities aerobic being any exercise that uses large muscle groups that can be repeated repeatedly uh, undertaken for you know an extended period of time at least maybe 10 minutes and most commonly people will either walk jog swim bike ride, dance, anything like that. And while these are great, not everyone enjoys them. Yeah. And I think we have to go back to the fundamentals. What do you enjoy? What can you stick to long-term? Yeah. So despite research showing aerobic exercise has one of the greatest benefits, there's plenty of research looking at resistance training. Mm -hmm. And resistance training is anything where your muscles are exerting force and they're doing more of an anaerobic, meaning that they're not using oxygen, they're using more of that short-term energy. So you can think of doing a set of bicep curls for 30 seconds. Mm. It's just using our short-term uh, energy stores that are within the muscle already. That shows great benefits as well. But then if you don't like aerobic or resistance, there's relaxation exercises. Maybe you like yoga, maybe meditation. Uh, maybe Tai Chi, it's more balance focused and it's it's more of a relaxing setting. Research shows all of these can help. So I, I don't think we should silo ourselves to thinking you have to go for a, a vigorous run, be right. sweating and, and panting and all yeah, of that. You can yeah. try these different ones and find what you enjoy. Right, right. So that's interesting that you said meditation is considered an exercise. That's something that I don't think I would have ever, <laughs> yoga for sure, yoga yeah. and like Tai Chi, definitely. But meditation, you're kind of just sitting there. <laughs> yeah, I think um, relaxation type exercises, they've used meditation type scenarios. And from my exercise physiology point of view, you're not getting some of the health adaptations that you would get from the other types. Mm -hmm. But if someone's really struggling, I think trying anything to feel better mm -hmm. is going to be really important and then working your way into exercises that are going to increase your strength yeah your, the strength of your heart and your lungs but really starting with anything because things like even tai chi are just mainly focused on balance and isometric static postures so they're not going to you know potentially help lower your blood pressure as much as, as running would but you get a lot of benefits from those still to help your balance and mental well-being and, and falls risk and things so yeah, just start small with whatever you, you can find and enjoy and build from that. That's the key. Right, right, for sure. Um, now, I know you said that there's not a lot of kind of research into, you know, exercises that aren't aerobic, but do these different forms of exercise tackle the brain in different ways? Yeah, so th there is still quite a, a bit of research in resistance training, significantly less than aerobic training. Mm -hmm. So I looked at my, my minor thesis and we looked at resistance training to treat anxiety and depression in young people so under 26 and while it's mainly recommended aerobic training is used to increase those density of neurons in the brain and promote that neuroplasticity you can still organize your training if you want to do resistance training to make it have that similar effect so you might do things where there's less rest you're increasing your heart rate you're mm -hmm. using higher reps so you're still getting that training effect that's sort of aerobic, but also strengthening your muscles and growing your muscles. But each exercise will have unique effects on the body because normally with resistance training, your heart rate's not as elevated for as long. And you're not getting that um, increase of blood flow to the brain as much as aerobic training. Right, right. 
But then with aerobic training, you're not increasing the strength of your muscles and potentially not feeling um, like you know better when you're lifting objects at home or mm-hmm. being able to lift the shopping bags and go to the car, uh, go inside the house. So they have different effects that can make you feel good in different ways. It's not always just directly about affecting the brain because there's other things that happen that interact in the body that make you feel good and, and whole as a person. Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. How frequently do we have to exercise in order to improve our mental health? How long and in what way? <laughs> Great. So to break down any myths, you definitely yeah. don't have to exercise every day. Okay. So you okay. can have some rest days. Yeah. But the first starting point I would try to aspire to be, to, to aim towards, would be the physical activity guidelines mm-hmm. that are promoted by the Australian government, by the American College of Sports Medicine, by the World Health Organization. All these organizations have very, very similar guidelines. So they recommend, and this is linked with having lower rates of depression, anxiety, and increased mental well-being, mm-hmm. trying to get to 150 minutes per week of moderate intensity aerobic exercise upwards to 300 minutes per week. Now, what's moderate? Moderate is anything where you increase your heart rate and you feel you can still hold a conversation, but you definitely feel your heart rate going to that middle range. So if we were to use a scale of one to 10, you're probably at a four to five or four to six. So you could still talk to your friend next to you, but you're you're working. Right. If you prefer vigorous intensity, you can get the same effect with half the time. So 75 minutes to 150 minutes. They use minutes because it used to be 30 minutes a day, but you can actually get the dose however you want across the week as long as you get it in the week. Ideally, every day you either do something really light and then do your proper exercise sessions where you're working a bit harder. So ideally every day about 30 minutes would be ideal, Mm -hmm. but, you know, commitments come up and you can't do that every day. That's one area. So your aerobic training. Then resistance training would be at least two days a week. Right. So if you can do your five days, uh, about five days a week of aerobic training and two days incorporated within those days of resistance, you're you're well on your way to achieving great outcomes for your physical health, your mental health and everything else that goes into it. Additionally, one of the most recent additions that most people don't think about is minimizing sedentary time. That's any time you're spent like we are right now, sitting down, not doing really any bodily movement. There's no specific guidelines on how much to break it up, how often, but it, move move more, move often. So if you can move every hour for a few minutes and stretch and just go for a little walk, mm-hmm. set your alarm every hour, set every 90 minutes, that's better than not getting up for four or five hours, feeling really stiff and sluggish and, and not, not really good. So there are three things you can do to set your goals on um, what to aspire to. But if you want to start really small, like we spoke about before, a minimum of 10 to 15 minutes of anything that's going to increase your heart rate more than sitting down would be fantastic. Mm. That can be just going for a walk around the block, walking down the park with a friend and just doing that a few times a week is fantastic. And people think that you have to do lots to get any benefit. It's not true. Doing any exercise is better than doing none. So as long as you start small and and keep trying to do a little bit more, you're well on your way to improve mental health. Yeah, for sure. And I think that, you know, that emphasis on flexibility and just finding a frame that framework that works for you is so important because mm. I think people, especially now that everyone's started working from home a lot more, don't really do that normal nine to five anymore. I think that people's yeah. schedules are kind of all over the place nowadays. Yeah. So kind of finding um, a schedule that you can kind of move around based on where you are that week is really important. Well, as we were speaking about before, um, for my one of my strategies I use is auto-regulation. Mm-hmm. And I forgot to talk about that. But sometimes throughout our weeks, we have more commitments. We have yeah. increased uh, work to do that week to hand into our, our supervisors or something's going on with the kids. You're not feeling the best. So if you can auto-regulate like you've just mentioned mm-hmm. and still try to fit in something, but it doesn't have to be perfect, that goes a long way to, to feeling good and maintaining that commitment, that, that momentum. If you completely right, yeah. stop everything to restart comp- again, as we all know, after a holiday, after you yep. know, a period of time where you're, you're, you're unwell, for example, with COVID, mm-hmm. it's very hard to start that again. So just try to do anything. And that can be a walk, a 30 minute walk. It's really light intensity. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, how can someone with like, you know, you, you talked about kind of the lower end of the spectrum where yeah. you've got 
people who need help, um, additional mm. help for their mental health, you know, people with depression, anxiety, fatigue, for example, how can they get the motivation to exercise? Because that's something that mm. I know, like you said, after a long, after a holiday or COVID or a period of not feeling very well, it's very difficult to kind of get back into it. Yeah, yeah. So one consistent thing in research is if you do supervised exercise in a group or with a trainer, whether that be an exercise physiologist or an exercise scientist, a personal trainer, a physio, you do perform better and you're, you're more consistent. Your adherence is better. So if it works for your, your budget, your schedule, uh, where you live, trying to find somewhere where you can go to a place or even online and have that supervision will be a really big motivating factor. Then I would also look at, uh, let's say someone with depression, a lot of their symptoms aren't going to mean that, that they might not have the motivation to really want to get their heart rate really high and run and be energetic and bouncing around because the nature of the condition is to feel things like anhedonia, like a loss of interest or pleasure in most activities and to feel depressed, dull, gloomy. It's, it's a byproduct of having that condition. So you might start with something that's really light, like, like your yoga classes like a walk, like riding, riding a bike, anything where you can just build that routine and get outdoors, potentially a bit of resistance training at the gym, just doing some machines that you like to look of that feel good and trying to slowly break down those barriers. For example, with, with anxiety as well, people might have a fear of what others are thinking about them or being perceived a certain way or they might have something like agoraphobia where they just don't like being in crowds. So for those people, potentially online at home in their own comfortable environment would be a great starting point because you wouldn't want to put someone like that into a public gym where there's 50 to 100 people around. Yeah, sure. So you've got to find what your barriers are and try to tailor the intervention, which is what mm -hmm. an exercise physiologist will do to that person. Someone like um, someone with fatigue, either whether it's chronic fatigue syndrome or just they're very fatigued from everything. You might start with a really low intensity. You're not going to push the failure. You're not going to be grinding out reps like Ronnie Coleman. Yeah. You're going to start light and build it up and make sure they have plenty of gas in the tank at the end of the session so they can go about their, their life and, and not need to sleep for three days. So one key thing we try to do as an exercise physiologist is really tailor the intervention to that person, give them the tools they can uh, use to self-manage their own condition, their own health, and build it into their weekly routine. That's a really key factor. So I would recommend trying to contact an exercise professional for anyone out there, whether that's your local PT or whether you can um, you can use exercise as medicine to find an, uh, an exercise physiologist. You can go to your local physio clinic and just starting that momentum with any exercise professional that guides you in that right appropriate way. What about people who might not have the budget for that? Are there kind of ways to yeah. get around that? Yeah. So, we're lucky this day and age we have access to the internet. We can yeah. find lots of great resources. And I think if, if one thing you can take away from everything today is even walking is a fantastic way to exercise. So it requires a pair of runners and whatever clothes you want to wear. And there's research showing that walking anywhere from 4,000 to 16,000 steps a day, the more you do, each thousand steps extra you do lowers your all-cause mortality over your life. So that's just walking. That's, and doesn't, that, you don't have to walk at a brisk pace where you're sweating and walking yeah. up mountains. It can just be a nice walk, getting your steps in for the day. So if that's your starting point, try that. Otherwise, there are going to be certain things you might need to buy eventually, whether that be some sort of equipment at home, uh, your local council gym membership that might have a concession deal, or whether that be you, you, you buy someone's subscription online to do some online classes, or you just watch YouTube videos that are free. There's thousands of videos and just yeah. try things at home. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think that, you know, just even just like throwing on a podcast, maybe this one and going for a walk exactly. for as long as it's running, it can, can be really beneficial. Yeah. Um, how can we find an exercise routine that's best for us? Yeah. So I used to look into what's the optimal time of day to train because when I was very pedantic, I thought I want to get the most out of my body and push the hardest and have everything perfectly set with my hormones, my body temperature. Yeah. And after some time I found it's whatever routine you can stick to and works well for you is the best routine. Now there's all these myths that you need, you need to train in a fasted state in the morning to lose more body fat. Or you know if you train at 2 p.m. in the afternoon and you wake up at six, your body's gonna be optimally primed. The thing is, 
look at your schedule and think, when can I fit it in? And it doesn't have to be a long time. When can you fit in half an hour of exercise? Less than 4% of the time of your day. Yeah, it's about 2%. When can you fit that in for the day? And what I like to do is use my calendar and just write it in like I'm booking a client for an appointment or like I'm just organizing my day. So it's set in there and I know I'm going to do it. And I think some people love the morning. Some people are early morning uh, larrikins. Other people are nighttime hours and they wake yeah. up later. Yeah. Find what works for you. If you like, I have friends that love training at night. I hate training at nighttime. I want to be at home with my pet dogs, watching some Netflix at night, winding down. People want to go to the gym at 8, 9 p.m. That's fine by them. Fine by me. They can do their training then. But find what works for you within your daily schedule. If, if you're someone that needs more sleep because you're not really going to bed too uh too early i would prioritize sleep and try to train a bit later in the day because you don't want to sacrifice sleep because it will catch up with you eventually so really you have to look at your schedule and see what works for you there's no rule of thumb there it's just when can you fit it in what can you stick to yeah for sure i think the key especially when you're getting started and you know i'm assuming people who kind of are creating a routine or trying to find a routine are getting started it's it's not making it too hard for yourself exactly because then you're not you're just not going to do it and i read a great book atomic habits Mm -hmm. by james clear and some great tips he mentioned are if you know it's going to be a bit of a struggle for you try to set your clothes up and set your shoes up so they're ready to go as even go to bed in your gym gear if you want to get up in the morning go to bed in your gym gear get up put your runners next to your bed they're right there you see them they're not hidden away in the cabinet and you can go straight outside to do your walk and try to um, even pair it with something you enjoy. If you enjoy mm-hmm. podcasts, if you enjoy Netflix, if you enjoy music, pair exercise with that and you're going to get that mm-hmm. extra dopamine release and satisfaction and reward feeling from doing that activity. Yeah. So I would try to find something that out of those few strategies that can work that make it as easy as possible for you. Yeah, and pair. I think that that idea of pairing it with something that you do enjoy is really good as well because yeah. I think sometimes we do indulge in stuff like podcasts and Netflix. Um, not necessarily, we don't really schedule it in. It kind of just happens at the end of the day when you're tired. But yeah. kind of pairing it with your exercise time means that you're pairing something that you might initially see as, you know, an obligation yeah. with something that you just do while you relax. Yeah. And that can make it a lot easier to get to. Yeah, and I, I feel like you can reward yourself if you do do your exercise. Don't feel bad to have that uh, like little chocolate bar if you want to. I mean, I wouldn't try to make it a daily routine. Yeah. But if you want to reward yourself for doing it at the start, by all means, reward yourself. And over time, you'll be making time to exercise because you'll feel great. It will help you just brighten your life in so many ways. And if you aren't exercising every single day, if you're only doing it five days a week, you can have a chocolate bar only five days a week. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So that works that way. Uh, All right. Well, that's kind of, um, that takes us to the end of um, our kind of interview segment where we talk about the research and the science behind it. Let's put that into practice now um, in our practice uh, debrief experiment debrief so what what kind of practice do you have for our listeners and viewers today so i would my my own practice is just trying to really be organized with your weekly schedule and i think i i have a bit of a military background being in the army reserves which has helped me be really organized with things such as my my weekly structure my my clothing at home my shoes everything so i think not everyone's as motivated to be organized, but if you can have some structure to your week, that's going to make it much easier to organize the meals you eat, your sleeping routine, stress management, and your exercise routine, which are all going to play into your mental health and well-being. So I'll spend 20, 30 minutes on a Sunday night looking at my schedule for the week and thinking, okay, Monday morning, I'm going to go to that RPM class and ride the bike. Tuesday afternoon, I have the army, we're gonna train at the army. Wednesday morning, I'll get up and do my weights and I'll write these things in. And then I have my weekly plan set. And I think that's the biggest thing. If you can have it all set, you're not gonna think about it on the day. You're not gonna be like, oh, should I train now, shouldn't I? It's set on my calendar, I have to do it. Right, yeah. So if, if you can get good at some sort of routine, it helps a lot and it makes it easier over time to not even think about what you're doing. You just do yeah. it. It becomes automatic. Like we don't think about driving now. I don't think about brushing my teeth. I don't think about eating breakfast. I just do them because it's what I've always done. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. Do you have a name for this practice or is it just kind of, you can come up with a name now? My name would just be 
A weekly organization. Weekly organization. Fantastic. Yes. Yes. I, br- <laughs> we'll I break up my I break up my time into weeks. Yeah. Really yeah. Like a week. Yeah. 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 No. I think um, setting it week by week because, like we discussed earlier, weeks are different nowadays. People don't have they're not they're not predictably the same every yeah. single week. So kind of looking at them at a weekly kind of basis and planning ahead of time, but not yeah. too far ahead. Yeah. Is really helpful yeah. for sure. What are kind of three good things about this practice? I think I already kind of mentioned one, but Yeah, well, if any obstacles come up, um I also auto regulate it so I can change it around a little bit, but it just allows me to keep my my mental sanity because when things get really hectic and I'm, I'm running around, I'm driving to different jobs, I'm seeing yeah. different people, I know at least I've ticked off this for the day and I feel good. It's like it's like when I get up and I make my bed, I get home, my bed's made, I feel good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> With my exercise routine, if I, if I get up and do it right away, I know I'm set for the day or I know I have a period of time set for that where I'm taking care of myself and, and not putting that off because we don't want to wait until we're a little bit older and, you know, Nearly everyone over 50 years old has at least one chronic health condition, being a condition that is they've had for longer than three months. We don't want to wait till we're at that stage and respond to health conditions because some health conditions will never completely be cured and we'll have them for life. So you put a bit of effort in now. Every meal, every session is like putting a, a coin into the piggy bank for your health later on. And I think um, some other benefits would be that it keeps my um, just structure with with all other areas of my life with my work my friends my family and i think ever since i was in high school it's been my stress release so mm-hmm. i i firstly started training when i was 17 and going through vce and i just went to my local gym it was a real bodybuilding style uh old school gym like pictures of arnie on the wall right weight training <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, just yeah. you know 90 percent males in this sort of gym yeah yeah but I loved it. I went there after school every every second or third day or three times a week with my mate. We trained. We just did whatever we felt like. And it was absolutely fantastic. There was no thinking about it. It just set me up nicely for my interactions with everyone else around me. And then that really set me up nicely for my university life and my young adult years, which I think can go in multiple directions for a lot of people Yes. over that time. Absolutely. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Do you kind of um, – are there kind of any challenges um, – with this practice definitely there's unforeseen obstacles that come up yeah. you might be feeling really average you might get to bed late you might um just have things that come up that are unforeseen especially if you have a family with kids and, and a partner and there's things that you can't control and i think mm-hmm. we need to maintain a mindset that's not rigid but flexible and not all or nothing not an all or nothing mentality so sometimes it's really easy to think, I've missed one day, I'm done for the week. Yeah. I missed, I had one bad meal, that's it. The whole day's a blowout. I'm just going to eat whatever I want for the whole day. Just think, just try to think little steps, little things make a big difference. Just keep sticking to it and don't fall off that so-called bandwagon. Just keep trying to stay on the, uh, the path where you're putting that time in for yourself. Because mm-hmm. I think, yeah, things can be unforeseen in, in life and you just have to roll with the ebbs and flows. For sure. And I think like that, you know, sometimes with exercise, people can be such perfectionists. Like we have to do it perfectly exactly. right. And then the minute you get it wrong, it's like, oh, that's it. Yeah. I yeah. can't do this anymore. <laughs> One of my lecturers once told me a story that he, he knew a client that was really OCD with his training. So much so that he had his sister's wedding, but he had to fit his back and bicep session in. Oh so he was God. late to the wedding to make sure he could fit his gym session in. <laughs> Now, we don't want to be that rigid with training. Yeah, no, of course not. <laughs> Absolutely. Don't recommend yeah. that. <laughs> so it's good to be flexible. And, you know, even when, when I've been traveling, I recently was just in Italy for a month. And sometimes you can't find a gym. You can't find somewhere to exercise. Just go for a walk. Just try to fit anything in. Just try to maybe not have that extra serving of food if you don't really need it. Just um, don't completely forget about everything. Even if you have a few days of just enjoying yourself, that's fine. We all need those days. Just try to pick it back up again mm. because long term, you don't want to look back and six months has passed. Yeah, And, exactly. you know, you've put on 15 kilos. You, you haven't done any exercise. If you have, by all means, just pick it up again and keep going. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like when you actually when you mentioned that you uh, were 
exercising while overseas like i was thinking oh wow you exercise while you travel but it makes a lot of sense you do actually get into a lot of physical activity and sometimes strenuous physical activity when you're overseas you know people are hiking people are walking around everywhere yeah yeah um and often walking very fast because you've got you know an itinerary that you have to get through yes i I was in rome doing thirty thousand steps a day yeah if i had no aerobic fitness i wouldn't be able to deal with 35 degrees heat walking around rome all day yeah absolutely absolutely um how i mean we've already kind of talked about how often to practice it but like in in terms of like setting up that schedule yeah do you set a certain time every week or a certain day every week to kind of do it is that something that you should also schedule in i find that i'm generally free on sunday nights getting ready for the week and if i'm not it's just 10 15 minutes where i look over my schedule and i plan it for the following week and i should say as well that i also set bigger goals for like the year where I'm like, okay, this year my goal is to do a triathlon, run half a marathon. I set myself these big goals and then I set smaller goals through the week that are more actionable, realistic. Like Tuesday morning, I'll go for a 5K run. Wednesday morning, I'll do an 8K run. So I try to like think of the bigger picture of where I want to be, like we spoke about with life before, and then set these little strategies to get there and and break up my week like that. yeah. What was the other part of the question? It was, where do I find time? Yeah. Like, yeah. do you set up, like, I guess, do you set up a certain time to do it? Which you kind of answered already. Yeah. Yeah. Way. Pretty yeah. much just normally on a Sunday or whenever I get the time really, but I try yeah. to do it each, each Sunday because I'm religiously on my Google calendar, just setting right. it up all the time. Yeah. 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 And it, I think it helps if you've already got some kind of week planning structure to just kind of add that yeah. into your week as well. I think that's a really easy thing. Yeah. To yeah. In. I've seen people use the, the fridge and they have a magnet board on there with Monday to, to Sunday, even something like that doesn't have to be on your phone just whatever works for you just some sort of structure to your week yeah for sure um i guess how do you feel like this impacts your personal development um and kind of your perception in life in general it's allowed me to uh, always achieve more than i think i can because i've done some fitness challenges that have stemmed from my initial desire just to do fitness for fun for stress release for example, I've I've done the, the trek to the base camp of Mount Everest. Mm. I've competed in bodybuilding. I've, I've did an Ironman, a half Ironman. And I, I never thought I would have done these challenges. But when you set small goals and then you realize, wow, I can actually do this. This yeah. is awesome. You realize, okay, I'm going to set some study time aside now to finish my, my homework I need to do. And the, the bigger picture is getting your, your degree or, yeah. you know, saving up that money to buy buy a house. Well, in Australia, that takes a lot longer now. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or to buy a car, to buy that new phone, whatever it is. You realize you can break a big goal into something more small and actionable and achieve that. And you are able to deal better with the ups and downs and the hard times and, and push through a bit more because... Yeah, not everything's going to be easy and training helps you realize that you're always pushing that boundary with what's hard and and what's easy because you're always trying to get that bit fitter that bit faster a bit stronger so it helps you realize in life as well you can translate that straight across yeah for sure for sure and would you recommend this to like absolutely everyone or are there perhaps subsections of people that maybe it doesn't quite work for the organization yeah mm. well i mean i know people who just absolutely hate thinking about any exercise yeah and i think in that case we should think about it as bodily movements and right. not, not even using the e-word yeah yeah it puts fear into some people and especially my, my mother i've tried to get her into exercise for years mm-hmm. she hates it she doesn't want to do it tells me no every time so i think um just trying to think of our, our bodies are designed to move whatever way you can move in that you enjoy however you can fit it in is going to be much better than not doing it. Mm. Um, so for example, if you love to do gardening, I, I know a lot of people get into gardening as they, I shouldn't stereotype, but as we get a bit older, we love gardening. Or if people just love playing sports, not even like social sports, not even mm. thinking about it as, you know, exercise, wh- whatever you're into playing golf and just going for nine holes, whatever you can fit in is great. Um, I do think everyone should try to have some structure, some routine, because you don't want to be planning things last minute, especially with a diet. It's too easy to go get fast food, highly processed food. So it does require some planning, whether that be you you buy the pre-made meals, yeah. you go to Coles or Woolies or Aldi, you buy your ingredients. Um, we do need a little bit of organization. 
And I think what can happen in, in a lot of uh, mental health illnesses is people lose that sort of structure and organization of their life. And then it becomes day in, day out of, of sleeping a lot and, and not worrying about food and and being in a state of mind where you're not doing really anything that's productive to making you feel better and fulfilled in life. So, mm. yeah, I think we can all use a little bit, mm. a little bit at least. Now, this is kind of cycling back to maybe something I should have addressed right at the beginning of this segment. But um, you mentioned, you know, with meal planning, you kind of figure out what ingredients you get beforehand before yeah. so that you're not kind of buying takeout last minute. Is that something that you would do kind of within the scheduling as well? Like, would you figure out exactly what you're going to do when you when you plan this? I've been bad recently with organizing my meals, but I, I would try to also fit in time to go shopping. Yeah. And um, so currently I have a lot of HelloFresh recipe cards because I was doing HelloFresh for a while because they would send the items to my house. Yeah. Easy to prepare. Takes between 20 and 40 minutes and it's done. Yeah. And now I'm finding that I want to go to the shops and actually cook more myself. So I use their recipe cards and I'll try, I'll try to fit that in. But that's one area I could improve in. Like, for example, I'm, I'm definitely not perfect. And today on the way here, I just went past a Coles Express, <laughs> yeah. got a sandwich, got a roll, a yeah. coffee and came straight here. So yeah. there's always improvements we can make. And mm -hmm. I personally could improve on ways to uh, organize the week better with food. Mm -hmm. But I find as well, that's, that's like my version of um, what other people might not be able to fit into their week with exercise. Mm. I'm not able to fit in with, with cooking sometimes. Right, right. So for some people, it's just not going to happen that they're going to be able to plan meticulously with yeah, that detail. It, it takes a lot of time as well. Yeah. And you have to have the financial budget to buy certain foods. And, yes. and um, even though, you know, dollar for dollar junk food is quite expensive yeah. as well. So it's really the time, the cost mm. for preparing food, not the money cost these days except lettuce was quite expensive recently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> it absolutely was. Um, I guess based on kind of your experience um, with scheduling and exercises, are there kind of other kind of habits or practices you would combine with this? I mean, you mentioned yeah. order regulation as one of them, but maybe like other kind of maybe a reflection kind of thing as well. Um, so other practices, the reflection, I, I sort of use a reflection um, probably really every few months to right, sort of take right. a minute to think about where I'm at, where I'm going. And it's more sporadic. I don't really write this in. I just think when I have a bit of time on a day, on a weekend day when I'm a bit free, I just think, all right, how have I gone the last few months? How am I looking with all my goals? Because each year I'll sort of set goals physically, like for my health and fitness, uh, maybe for travel goals or educational goals. I'll just set a few different things I want to achieve and I'm not pedantic that I have to achieve all of them, but I try to aspire to aim towards those with what I'm doing with my life. Mm -hmm. So I think reflecting on those, I always look back a little bit and think, okay, am, am I on the path for those? Yeah. But other habits that are really good to, to try and get into is not sacrificing sleep and having some sort of good sleep routine. Mm -hmm. Because now we're knowing more and more about sleep and the power it has in all facets of your life. If you are cutting down on sleep, you're really not going to be your full self and be able to achieve your full potential. Even if you feel great after five or six hours of sleep, which I personally don't, uh, if you were to get seven to eight, that's the optimal amount for most people. You should try to fit that in no matter what. And I think a good quote I read was, you shouldn't really stay up for anything you wouldn't get up early for. If you're staying up to watch Netflix, are you? would you get up early to watch Netflix? Probably not. Probably no. not. So try to always <laughs> think about that when you're having a really late night and prioritize your sleep because I always try to plan if I have to get up early the next day at mm -hmm. 6, okay, let's get to bed by 10, 10.30 latest so I get my seven, hour, 7 to 8 hours. Right, yeah. That's really important. So additionally, one more thing would be stress management because mm -hmm. fr from the book I mentioned before, there's links now to stress and, and, and having a lot of stresses in your life, whether that's work-related, family, financial, and that increasing your general level of inflammation in the body. And that can have a, a negative effect on your mental health and developing conditions long-term. So some sort of stress-reducing technique you use. And it can be your well-known ones like meditation, but not everyone likes meditation. And a lot of people feel like, they just can't sit there and do nothing for five or ten minutes. It yeah. just doesn't help them relax. That can be, you know, uh, just time with your dogs, time with your family. Mm -hmm. Maybe your, your relaxation time is cooking. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is, try to find something where you really just zone out and you get into your what we call like a flow state where you lose track of time and you're enjoying what you're doing. For me, that can be just listening to some music and playing with my dogs at home, which I absolutely adore. So. Yeah. 
Yep. How many dogs do you have? What kind are Three they? Three dogs at home. Yep. I have a border collie, uh, a rough lassie, a lassie collie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one with all the fur, like the big mane. Yes, yes, And yes. a Japanese spitzer slash pomeranian. Oh, wow. So two big dogs and one little one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But the little one has the biggest personality. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> it always turns out like that, I think. Exactly. For sure, for sure. That's awesome. I think as, as a dog owner myself, um, spending time with your dog and just tuning out everything else and just hanging out mm. with them is probably one of the best ways to de-stress, at least yeah. at the end of my day, for sure. Um, that kind of brings us to the end of the habit experiment debrief. Uh, we've now got some questions from our audience um, for you to answer. Uh, most of them are very similar to the questions that we've already discussed, but got a bit of a different take on them. So are you are you happy to answer? Sure. Awesome. Fantastic. Um, what kind we've got one very specific question what kind of exercise would you recommend to people with bipolar disorder i've actually recently looked into research for exercise with bipolar disorder and there aren't specific exercises that can help treat it and it really needs pharmacological and psychotherapeutic techniques to help bipolar disorder Um, but with with bipolar disorder, I would recommend the fundamentals of what you enjoy, what you can stick to, and whether that's some form of aerobic training, some form of resistance training. Um, really, the benefit's going to be because the medication you need to take for bipolar disorder can have a lot of negative psych- side effects. Yeah, for sure. Weight gain, um, dry mouth, uh, increased hunger, increased lethargy. So try to do anything where you're going to negate those effects. That's the main thing for, for bipolar. So... If you can keep your body moving and, and burning energy and in, increase your skeletal muscle mass through resistance training, mm-hmm. it can minimize the negative eff- side effects of what will happen on some medication you may need to take for a prolonged right. time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I assume also in general, because bipolar, from what I understand, is like a mood disorder where you can be yeah. at a high point exactly. you know, for a certain amount of time and then at a low point for a certain amount of time. So. Yeah there would be that motivation difference as well. Like you're probably really motivated um, during certain points and then very, very demotivated others. Yeah, yeah. It can be dangerously high manic phases. Yeah. And then when you hit that low phase, and and these can go for days at a time. So, yeah, I I would try to find some sort of routine that works for you given everything Mm -hmm. else that's going on and uh, make sure you seek advice from other health professionals that are helping you manage it and work in in a collaborative team to help with that. For sure, yeah. for sure. Um, do we become more healthy the more we exercise or can we instead get exercise addiction? <laughs> Good question. Yeah. There, so I think exercise does have a U-curve effect. So mm-hmm. you do no exercise, you're going to have negative health effects mentally, physically. Now, you, you start to do a little bit, you get a lot of benefits. You do a, you do that, that amount we said before, mm-hmm. the 150 to 300 minutes, a couple of days of strength training optimal benefits so you start doing too much you do increase your risk for things like musculoskeletal injuries strains sprains um there's a small risk in some people that if they exercise too intensely you can you know you could have a heart attack you could have some sort of issue that that's why we Mm -hmm. screen people before we do really high intensity exercise but that's like one in a million people one in a million bouts of exercise really small in terms of the addiction um i think there can be conditions that develop from being into exercise too much. Now, th- this opens up the whole field to eating disorders, mm. body image disorders, body dysmorphia. There is a healthy balance, and I think society tends to go one way or the other. People doing absolutely nothing. I think human beings are like this, and then people doing way too much. Yeah. And we have to find that middle ground because definitely it's not healthy. Um, if you're not, if you're missing your your siblings' wedding to exercise, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, there's something going on there. Yeah. So you yeah. should be in that middle ground where you're exercising to stay healthy and fit. Mm-hmm. And I think one good way to think about this is I, I used to think about I exercise purely to go to the gym to exercise, but now I think about exercise as it allows me to have the strength and fitness to do other things in life to go on those treks, to spend, you know, time traveling. So I, I think what's exercise allowing me to do? Think about it like that. Don't, I think mentally it helped me not think about exercise as something that is going to achieve an end in itself. Whereas, you know, it does feel good, but it helps me do so much more in life that makes me more fulfilled and content rather than just going to the gym and, you know, doing a leg day. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And yeah. I like, I would imagine, you know, when I first read the term exercise addiction, I thought it's not necessarily an addiction to exercise in and of itself, but there's a bunch of other issues, like you mentioned body image and eating mm. disorders that are kind of leading to 
exercise beyond what is perhaps necessary. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, is there a, we've already kind of talked about a minimum recommended time for exercise each week. Um, so I might skip that question because we already talked about that, but does each exercise have a different effect on mental health? Yeah, so there's some effects that are similar and some that are going to be different. And I think it comes down a lot to the individual as well. And like, if, if you really enjoy a specific type of exercise, it's going to obviously give better mental health benefits to you because a lot of benefits from exercise aren't always the physiological effect on your muscles getting stronger or your heart being able to pump blood more efficiently. They might be the, the social connectedness. They might be the feeling of self-efficacy where you feel more confident in your ability to do that particular task. They might be self-esteem related. So it's not always going to be the exercise. It can be. And a lot of research links to aerobic exercise being particularly powerful for mental health and increasing that blood flow to the brain, negating those effects we spoke about. But you can get those similar effects doing resistance training. And, you know, it doesn't mean you have to do aerobic training, although I would highly recommend doing aerobic training because cardiovascular disease is one of the biggest killers in society mm. and aerobic exercise is one of the best preventive measures for that so you know this uh no cardio club we should do a bit of everything you know yeah, yeah. It's there's not a good no to do cardio one. club yeah there's like a t-shirt right, no cardio right. and people just want to lift weights uh, yeah. because it's you know if i if i do cardio i'm going to lose all my muscle mass become small and <laughs> yeah. scrawny yeah. It's not true. It takes a lot, a, a really a lot of uh, cardio and, you know, to negate the effects of right. resistance training. So. I think my younger brother might be in no cardio club, so <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll make sure he has a listen to this one. Um, so I, I guess in terms of can exercise cure mental health? You know, yeah, looking at the research, it can definitely cure specific conditions. Mm -hmm. Mental health is a broad term, and I think it's linked to better mental health. And mental health in itself isn't something that can particularly be cured because mental health is always on a spectrum going yeah. backward and forward. But it can help manage conditions, even very severe levels. It can help be an adjunctive treatment to other, other treatments like mm -hmm. medication and psychotherapy. And it can prevent conditions from developing later on in life. So, yeah, it can be targeted many ways at improving different mental health conditions and to maintain a healthy level of, of your mental well-being, right, definitely. Right. Um, and final question, what are the best times to exercise? So I, I'm, I'm biased in this because <laughs> I love exercising in the morning yep. for multiple reasons. I think it sets you up for the day really well. Mm -hmm. You know, once, once it's ticked off, the rest of the day is yours. I find if you go to work and have everything before, you might be more prone to feel tired and lose that motivation to go to exercise straight after work. Also, if you exercise too close to bed, you have that all those hormones and like noradrenaline rushing around your body. You're not really as relaxed and set to go to bed. So if you want to go to bed early and you're training, you know, 7, 8, 9 p.m., I'd, personally, I would find I wouldn't be able to relax and wind down for bed as easily. So... Personally, earlier in the day, anything before 2 p.m. I think works well. People normally work the middle of the day. So if you can fit in something over your lunch break or do it before work, that would be my preference. If you want to be really specific, early afternoon is when your body's primed really well to exercise. Your body temperature, you wake up with a low body temperature, it sort of increases through the day and then goes down. So your body temperature, your hormone levels, everything's ready in that early afternoon phase. Right. But again, don't worry about all of that if you're just trying to find a routine. Just yeah. do anything you can mm. and find what sticks for you because you don't want to fall for the trap of thinking, I have to exercise in the morning or it's useless or I have to exercise in the afternoon or else it's useless. Just yeah. start with something and whatever works is the best routine. Right. Question, Ryan. Do you do your morning exercises fasted or just like just like to that's a good question your morning exercises so uh back when i was uh, 17 and 18 and i would read a lot of bodybuilding.com forums and i would think yeah you know what fasted cardio sounds logical because in exercise science if you haven't eaten you're oxidizing more fats but if you have eaten you're going to begin to oxidize more carbohydrates because your muscles are going to be full of carbohydrates and glycogen the stored form of carbohydrates whereas it's not really going to help you lose too much more 
um, body, uh, body mass, adipose tissue, it really comes down to what you're doing over the whole day. So if you're someone who enjoys fasted cardio and you feel great, by all means do it. But it's not going to be a magical form to get absolutely lean and shredded and, and lose more body fat. So you, you can trial it. Personally, I find if I'm exercising in the morning, I want something in my stomach so I can push harder. The, the balancing effect is having enough time to digest before I go to the gym. So if I'm up at 6 a.m. and I'm at the gym by 6.45, you know, I can only have maybe a piece of toast and then I have to go without feeling too heavy. So you've got to find that time. At least 45 minutes is enough to digest a small snack before you go. But uh, yeah, with, with fasted cardio, it's, it's been hyped up a lot over the years. But it's not magical. So right, right. read into it a bit more. Um, yeah. 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 So you're telling me that my method of having a banana and then straight away going and doing like a 30-minute yoga video... Um, yoga would be okay because right. what sort of yoga is it though? Uh, look, sometimes it's yoga, sometimes it's Pilates. So it okay. changes. Yeah. I, I probably wouldn't do something like an intense cardio session mm-hmm. or even even like going for a jog because it, it wouldn't feel good in my stomach personally, but everyone's different with how that, yeah. that they digest. A banana is okay because it's really small. It's only, mm-hmm. you know, 100, 150 calories. Yeah. You can digest really well. Like my, my go-to would be a banana and espresso before going to a workout because I get a bit of caffeine, a bit of carbs. Yeah, well, that's what that was my 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 thinking was because yeah. like sometimes if I if I do kind of start exercising without anything in my stomach, I just feel really drained and like not quite exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. Well, we'll yeah. see. <laughs> <laughs> I'll report. I'll report my progress at some point. Great, can't wait. <laughs> For sure. That kind of unless Jerry has any more questions. <laughs> <laughs> That brings us to the end of our questions from the audience segment. Uh, we'll now move on to the open mic where you can talk about whatever you want for a few minutes. Uh, great. So one recent thing that I came across, which I think is really good to prevent um, things like long-term developing. Like I read, I read this about uh, de- minimizing the effect of developing dementia, Alzheimer's, and maintaining a good brain health is trying to always learn new skills. And one of the best things you can try to do long-term is try to learn a second language. And personally, I'm half Italian. And I've spent the last eight years learning bits of Italian, reading books, listening to the news in Italian, speaking to family and friends, and coming from not really speaking anything to to learning, you know, like I, I like to say I'm an intermediate speaker in Italian now. I think if you can find something like that as well, don't neg- don't forget about the benefits of doing things that are you know outside the exercise and you know health and fitness mm-hmm. realm, but other things that can give you that fulfilled experience in life, like learning about another culture. I think they're really cool things you can do. They're going to improve your your mental well-being, your self-actualization, your long-term uh, just just joy in life. If you think about things like that that you've always wanted to do, like personally, another thing would be learning an instrument like the guitar i've always wanted to play the guitar but i've never ever given myself the time or made the time to do it right yeah and if if you learn an instrument those neurons connecting to that part of your body are increased in density and you become really skilled with that part of your body and that's they're they're things you can do that are going to stop a lot of conditions developing later on in in your older years that are neurodegenerative Mm. so i think yeah always look for other things you can do to live a more fulfilled life as well plus a pet dog pet dogs yeah, pet dogs is always amazing there's <laughs> nothing serotonin oh, booster yes 100 <laughs> percent. coming home to the dogs they're happy after five minutes or after five hours yeah the same thing happens and i think that's another massive aspect of uh why i've been able to maintain good mental health over the years having pet dogs around me my whole life yeah 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 going back to um like uh learning a language or playing the instrument i was thinking like it's actually very similar to the practices to both of those are very similar to exercise and that like you're learning something new and building kind of a routine and then over long term you see the benefits of that it's kind of like exercising your brain almost exactly exactly yeah and because you can you can do the same exercise routine for a long time and you might get a bit monotonous with it it might become the same thing day in day out so changing things up like i've gone from doing not much cardio when i was doing bodybuilding to then doing a triathlon thinking you know i love riding swimming running i feel good it's something different i'm learning a whole different strategy to an event to trekking up to you know the base camp of mount everest completely different sort of fitness required so i think trialing different things and not being siloed into one routine um i'd say one of the biggest things you could try to do is just change your self-identity as 
some people think of themselves as I'm not someone who exercises, you know, mm. I'm someone who eats this certain food. Try to form an identity around you just being an active person that, that enjoys body movement in some way, shape or form. And that will go a long way to your decisions you make long term in your, your week to week routine, your holidays. And you might, you might end up planning a trip where you're going to Mount Everest. Yeah, you know? for sure. So changing our identities is a really powerful strategy. Yeah. And I, like exercise doesn't necessarily have to be your entire identity. It's just kind of one of the things you exactly. do to kind of exactly. enhance the rest of your life. Exactly why I said body movements, not even yeah. exercise. Anything yeah. where you're just moving your body because, yeah, like you can get so many benefits as long as you're not just uh, very sedentary for a lot of the time. Any bodily movement is going to have great benefits. Yeah. Have you succeeded in getting your mum to do anything? Not yet, unfortunately. I've tried. I might need to seek support outside of the family because right. families just don't listen to each other. Right. Yep. 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 I get that. Uh, all right. Well, that kind of brings us to the end of our show today. Um, do, where could we find you? Where can our viewers and listeners find you? Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, so I'll have my LinkedIn tagged. Um, that's all I really use professionally. Otherwise, I should set up a research profile soon, which I'll link on my LinkedIn once I publish my first article. And then hopefully down the track, when I'm a PhD candidate and I have that finished, we'll see more and more publications come out. Are you, are you working on your first article right now? or? Yeah, from my master's. I'm yeah. going to publish my first article, which was my meta-analysis on the topic of resistance training to right. treat um, anxiety and depression in young people. So right now I'm handing in my minor thesis, which is like a 20,000 word um, long story that explains everything. And I'm going to hand it in as like a three or 5,000 word um, cut down bit to publish as an article because articles have to be a bit more condensed. So that's my plan over the next few weeks. Fantastic. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. I'm really excited to see that article. Good luck with your PhD as well when you start that. Um, and it's been really great to have you on the show. Thank you very much for having me. Fantastic. You've been listening to Self-Improvement Atlas, the personal science insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. For more episodes like this from 10 different life management perspectives, Search LMSL on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, so you can get updated on everything we have to offer. We have a wide range of topics readily available for you to check out. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating our show, sharing it, and subscribing to our channel, as it helps us grow and bring you more quality resources. More of our work can also be found on our website at pe.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Aditi Kuti. Thanks for tuning in.